This is Super Yacht Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to Super Yacht Radio. And this is the uh, USSA update featuring the wonderful, the enigmatic Kitty McGowan. Hello, Kitty. We have guests with us today. We do welcome Leah Yam, who's the director of communications at the Marine Group of Boatworks in San Diego, and Peter Schrappen, who's vice president and director of government affairs, Northwest Marine Trade Association. A clean shaven, Peter, if I may add. Uh, Good morning. And Good morning, Peter, everyone. Peter was um, a member of our board of directors for many years, um, and we partner very closely with the Northwest Marine Trade Association here at U.S. Super Yacht Association. And Leah has recently joined our board of directors from San Diego. So it's an wow. opportunity for us to kind of showcase the different sectors of the United States and uh, kind of give you guys an insight as to what's happening on the West Coast. Well, we better be careful with what we say, huh? We've got some luminaries here. I didn't say the left coast. I said the (laughs) West Coast. Can you you just um, explain to us a little bit more what each of your groups do? Because we know lots from Kitty about the U.S. Pick on somebody first. Well, Leah, go to you first and ladies first. Ladies first. Thank you, everyone. Um, I work at Marine Group Boatworks and Fifth Avenue Landing. We are a company that owns several waterfront companies in San Diego. So Marine Group Boatworks, to start, is a shipyard. We have three uh, facilities, two in San Diego and one in Cabo. And then Fifth Avenue Landing is a marina. Um, Both uh, companies focus on super yachts. Um, With Marine Group, we do all sorts of refits and repairs. Um, We not only focus on super yachts, we do have half of our company focusing on commercial and government work as well. Um, With Fifth Avenue Landing Marina, it's specifically for super yachts. It's a boutique marina, 12 slips, right in the heart of downtown San Diego, where the action is. And um, so, yeah, we, you know, we see we're... Uh, Both facilities are in San Diego, and so we see the cruising patterns on the West Coast pretty um, clearly, you know, because we are one of the stops that these uh, super yachts and mega yachts come to um, as they make their way up from either Mexico up to Alaska, through the Pacific Northwest, of course, um, and then or back down. And then we also have, you know, traffic from the South Pacific as well. Okay. And don't you guys also have a yard in Mexico as well? Yes. Uh, so we do have a, a yard in Mexico. It's focused on recreational boats only, which do capture some of the super yachts. Um, we do a lot of dockside work for them. And then uh, for hauling out and you know putting them on blocks, we can accommodate up to 150 tons, which is roughly about a, a 20 meter boat um, or like a, maybe a 120 foot yacht. Okay. It sounds like a busy You know, it's, it's an interesting thing in, in the sense of here in the Med, we don't actually hear very much about um, the yachting on the West Coast. You know, we, we know lots about Fort Lauderdale and Florida, but the, the West Coast of the States is not something we hear a tremendous amount mm-hmm. of, of news about. 
um, or, you know, the, the traffic or what goes on. So it's really interesting for us to meet somebody, well, meet both of you from the West Coast, you know, <laughs> north and south. And Peter, your group, yeah. what do you do? What's your, your group? Yeah, hi. Delighted to be on the show. Uh, big fans of the U.S. Super Yacht Association Kitties. Uh, so we are the Chamber of Commerce for Recreational Boating in the Northwest. We have 725 member businesses that keep afloat the $7 billion recreational boating economy in Washington state and the Pacific Northwest. So we have, uh, as like any chamber of commerce, we've got energetic members that are part of different committees. And one of the most uh, energized committee is super yacht Northwest, which is our super yacht committee that showcases all the cruising opportunities and the refit and repair and services that we can provide super yachts. We're really proud of our super yacht heritage in Washington state. We are home to Westport and Northland and Delta Marine and Northern Marine. Um, so yeah, uh, we're no stranger to super yachts at all. And then oftentimes what we'll see is the vessels are uh, having fun in the metropolitan areas of Seattle and South Sound, but then heading up to Alaska. That's the real, real prize. Mm-hmm. You can see grizzly bears and go up shrimping, salmon fishing. That's the big safari. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's us. Well, um, and that part of the country is absolutely spectacular. And that's from a destination standpoint in when we talk in the United States, in Toto, you know, that, that the, the Northwest is the prize, the inside passage going up to Alaska, spending time in the Northwest. It's very, you know, so we have the Northeast and the whole Maine and New England area. And then we have the Northwest. Those two are our real beautiful destinations that that have become the, the ultimate cruising grounds for the super yachts here in the United States. Um, now, while, you know, they'll cruise through Southern California and South Florida, typically that's not the destination. So they, they really kind of cruise through us, get their service work with us here in South Florida or in the Southern part of California, and then go up and see Peter. But, but uh, Peter's specialty and what they do up there in the Northwest Marine Trades Group is to, um, Peter's a government specialist and has spent a lot of time in um, educating, as I've talked to you guys repeatedly in the past, about um, educating our legislators about the importance of the marine industry. And I know, Peter, you guys are pretty excited that you're starting to kind of get your state open back up again, um, you know, during this COVID crisis that we're all been suffering. So... Exactly, Kitty. So on May 5th, we can start boating and recreational fishing again. So we've been shut down uh, hibernating for the last, gosh, five weeks, seems like five years. Um, and my my day-to-day operation is to be a salesperson for all the super yacht ecosystem and then sell that to lawmakers, sell that to agency staff with the message that boating needs business. And just sharing that that the, the super yacht spends about 10% of its value each year on repair and refit, on food, on wine, uh, florists. And then we really want those businesses to be, we want to attract the super yachts, those businesses to our state. We talk about super yachts as floating economic stimulus packages, and we want those economic stimulus packages in Washington state. No offense to San Diego, but uh, <laughs> we'd, we'd rather have them here. Of course you would. Okay, can I ask, first of all, I'd like to say, um, you know, really sorry to see what, what happened in Washington. You guys seem to got an unfair hit with the COVID thing. It's great that you're you're getting better from it. Um What's the what's the impact been to the the smaller medium sized companies up there that deal in in the yachting world? Have, have you seen? Because we've seen, we're seeing in Europe uh, big numbers when it comes to layoffs and people losing their their jobs. 
um, how bad an impact has it been? And you know, do you think it's it's going to be difficult to recover from? Well, fortunately, due to some of the advocacy efforts of Northwest Marine Trade Association, we were able to get marinas and boatyard workers and repair specialists considered essential. So they were able to stay open during this uh, pressing pause. So that was a big uh, win for our industry. So, um, but yeah, a lot of the, everyone's just kind of sitting around mm. waiting for the green light. Uh, some of the different counties have said, you know, we don't want you to visit right now. So it's been really devastating. Like everyone has been going through the boating industry is no different. Um, but I do know that pent up, there's a lot of pent up demand to get back on the water. Mm-hmm. It seems like the perfect antidote to COVID and I'm, Excited about the new president uh, of Edna May's message, Frank Kugelmeyer, about how if you can't go to Europe or you can't take that big cruise, why don't go to get on a boat and enjoy uh, right around the corner here in the Northwest? Mm. I believe Alaska is a destination. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of those bucket list places that uh, I've got to start actually doing something about my bucket. <laughs> uh, it just keeps on getting fuller and fuller, but I, I don't seem to be. You know, doing it. Out of interest, do you have to work with the Canadian government too? Because you've got that kind of coastline between Alaska and where you are that's Canadian as well. Is that something you negotiate yeah. or how does that work? We don't work with them as closely as you might guess we do. Uh, I work through our senators' offices who then are in touch with the consulate around the. So right now the border's closed between Canada and the US. And instead of me emailing, the British Columbia bureaucracy, I email my senator and then they email their, their contacts at British Columbia. So that's how we, we work with them. But yeah, that's big news that the Canada-U.S. border is closed to car traffic and to boat traffic. Wow. Totally for the next several weeks. Correct. Yes. For, the, for um, non-essential travel, which uh, super yachts are considered non-essential. Huh. And that's actually creating a bit of a problem because with the yacht shipping industry we ship yachts typically from the east coast to the west coast or from southern cal and mexico up to the northwest and they generally um land in victoria um in the in the british columbia you know in that whole northwest area vancouver etc and so now we have boats getting dropped there and then you're like can't get them out (laughs) they're stuck in canada but uh, we're trying to work with NMMA Canada and their folks there to see if we can't do a workaround with a commerce clause um, in that regard. So, yeah, so we're trying to trying to get that because they're not opening. The last I heard, they're not planning to open that border anytime soon, at least not for the next uh, several weeks. Several weeks is the quote, yep. Several weeks. Um, I'm I, I, I'm imagining that possibly Alaska has, because it's so much further away. I know, it obviously, would still have international traffic, but I would presume it it has got to be possibly a, a safer place to be. There, you know, they've got lower numbers. Or how has Alaska fared being that much separate to the rest of the continent? Well, well. I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert on Alaska cruising, but I just can tell you that the concern about rural communities is the stress on the hospital infrastructure. So while there may not be a big numbers and yes, they are used to social distancing. If there is an outbreak of any disease that um, it does put a lot of stress on, um, on the hospitals, but by nature, uh, Alaskans to stereotype are more civil libertarians and um, they like to do their own thing versus the government, following the government's orders. I think so. I, I could see a lot of, Recreation going on there. What's a civil libertarian? Oh, so good question. Um, civil libertarian is someone who doesn't want the government to tell them how they should live their life. 
Ah, okay. So, um, yeah. I don't think we're that really in Europe as yeah. much then. <laughs> ah. <laughs> right. We're, we're pretty we, had that we had that conversation, conversation last week. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. They just keep adding two weeks on our lockdowns. And we yeah. just go, yeah, okay, two more weeks. <laughs> all of the, the protests and everything here and Dave, and they're like, what's with the protests? Because like, we're tired of it. We're sick of it here. And they're in, uh, in Palma, and they're like, oh, we have three more weeks. Okay. It's like, that doesn't happen here. We're, we're, we're different. Yeah, if, if you're in a restaurant here and you eat some, an absolute sloppy meal and the waiter comes to you and says, you know, how was your meal? Nine times out of ten, oh, it was lovely. It was like, that was fantastic. And then he'll walk away and your wife will kick you under the table going, you should have said, oh, I didn't want to upset him. Where in America, you don't tolerate that. It's like, this is crap. What are you giving? You giving me this rubbish? Take it away. So you're, you're we're a little bit too, uh, what's the term? We're pussies. Polite. A civil attorney will have the bumper sticker on their car, keep your laws off of my body. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's, a lot of Alaskans um, are, they'll often say dropouts. They'll have people that leave the lower 48, which is what they call the rest of the United States. Um, the lower 48, they'll leave here and go up there because they, like, like Peter's saying, they're like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. They, you know, they just go do their thing. And it is kind of a, it's, it, it is beautiful. I mean, it is spectacular. It's worth there's a good. There's a good book by TC Boyle that describes kind of the Alaskan mindset that I'd recommend about living in a hippie commune. I was going to say that's for all the old hippies go to. <laughs> It is. Well, let's start packing, honey. I know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell you a subset of our customers in um, Marine Group and in San Diego are the charter yachts that actually cruise up to Alaska to charter for the season. And the season is anywhere from about May, June through September. And um, the yachts typically come to us at around this time of year, actually. And while they're still coming to haul out and do their maintenance before they make their way up, they're actually still in a holding pattern, um, you know, kind of staying in port locally, waiting for the go ahead to go ahead and, you know, cruise up there. But their owners, the charter managers, they're all working you know, diligently to to see if this cruising um, season is going to even happen. Um, if not, that's pretty detrimental to, you know, their 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 books, basically, because that is, you know, revenues that they rely on. Um, same with the crew. You know, they 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 work for this charter yacht simply because, you know, the sales from the charters actually pay for their um, their expenses and whatnot. So um, what we're seeing is, I say, about three of the yachts that have, um, are typically charter yachts in Alaska um, hauled out here. And um, they're going back to where they're home ported rather than going up to Alaska where they typically would be going. Uh, just yeah. out of curiosity, um, what's the kind of passage from from San Diego to Washington? I mean, on that stretch, are there other kind of destinations, or is it really you kind of go from Southern California San right Francisco. up to? Yeah, but I I, I don't yeah, know so. actually. I don't know that much yeah. about yeah, that cruising so, ground. So I can even start further south from Los Cabos. Cabos is the southern tip of Baja California. And as you cruise your that way, little strip of land that sticks out there, and then they have that uh, that little water body in the center. So, just yep. from geography standpoint, okay, so that's yeah, just before so that, you hit Mexico is the next step. Yeah, 
Yeah. So Baja California is actually part of Mexico and it's a strip of land right south of California. And so with Baja California, there's, um, as again, part of Mexico, there's Tijuana, Rosarito, Ensenada, and then Cabo. And then, you know, adjacent to Cabo, that body of water that Kitty was talking about is the Sea of Cortez, which is abundant of, uh, full of, um, you know, whale sharks, uh, just lots of um, tuna. You know, sometimes there's been spottings of orcas, um, just lots of sea life that has been untapped. So starting from Cabo going north um, to San Diego would be the first United States destination, if you will. And San Diego itself is, you know, a a wonderful city, and I can get to that later. But as you make your way north, there's also um, Santa Barbara, which isn't much of a, a, well, sorry, L.A., so L.A. first, um, and all the beaches up there. Then there's Santa Barbara, and then there's San Francisco, which is another major port. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then as you make your way up, there's Oregon, and, um, and then Washington, and then you're Alaska. A little bit of, uh, you know, Vancouver, and then um, Alaska. Oregon. So that's Oregon. Oh, Oregon. Sorry. Oregon is beautiful. Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Oregon is beautiful. And it's actually um, been a recent um, yes. kind of a destination for the big boats. And because it's different, you know, and it's a it's a, it, a great wine in Oregon. It's really well known. And I, I don't see any wine like guys today. <laughs> Um, we went and, looking. Uh, we just realized we're out, and I was—I looked at the, the watch actually to go. We should, we should we should run down and get a bottle, and I realized that's no, a crisis. I know <laughs> the truth. It's a Friday without wine, but uh, Oregon's really known for its really beautiful destinations. Um, beautiful mountain skiing is yes. fantastic there. Rafting, the rivers there are um, absolutely incredible, um, and it's another kind of a drop out, really chill location. Yeah. And, um, the and North inland, of the U.S. is way different than the East side. Yeah. It's that inland waterways too, that yes. you're snaking through, um, and you're reaching, you know, national parks that very few people get to access because oh. of, you know, the, how hard it is to get there. I've, I've, I've yeah. Oregon to me, I, I, the only time I've heard of Oregon is as a kid in the cowboy movies. It's, it's not one of those places that kind of comes up. I don't even. Well, yeah, Wyoming is a big cowboy movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Cody and and some of those places, the Wild West. And That's the state flag right there. Good oh, yeah. Wyoming hat on. I grew up, I I grew up on that now stuff. Now you put your head down. I love Wyoming. Wyoming's spectacular. Of course, yeah. I almost drowned in a river in Wyoming, but that's oh. a whole new story. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, it's, the West is is amazing, but it is it's so incredible the differences not only in geography but in attitude and and the vibe and the chill. You know, you go to the Northeast, it's you know it's you know New York is pretty intense and hardworking mm-hmm. yeah. in Massachusetts, and you get up to Maine, they're kind of chill. But then you go out west, and it's like okay, it's cool. Um, you know, marijuana is legal in Oregon and in Massachusetts. I mean, not Massachusetts, excuse me, in Washington. And, and California and as well. We, we, we of California course. too, yeah. That whole West Coast area, it, it's a whole yeah. different it's a whole different mindset vibe out there. Of course, as a station, we can either condone or can or condemn these um, these habits. But nope. that's Oregon, you were it's saying, just, yes. <laughs> 
A little Oregon's trivia about Oregon. Great. A little trivia about Oregon. You can walk from the northern part of Oregon to the southern part on the beach, and it's entirely public. There's no private ownership I didn't of the know beach that. from uh, Portland down to. Yeah, California is very Andin. much the same all along the California coast. None of it can be privately owned. It's all public. Yeah. Not like that in Florida. <laughs> you got a lot like, of nope, gotta get up here. You got a lot of private beaches in, in Florida? No. A lot of private beaches in Florida. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. It's yeah, which is how some of the people have been getting around the beach closures is because they have some private beaches that they, they're allowing their own people to go out. And, and, and hotels. Do, hotels will own beaches in Florida. Hotels, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, course, hotels yeah. will own sections of beach. And, yeah, I but I mean, speaking of, of openings, California, um, especially Southern California, it's been their, their gov your governor is like, open, oh, now, no clothes. So California's been a bit of a flip-flop. They had opened. And yeah. Then you know, I, I noticed that I have, I have family. My brother lives in L.A. and my sister lives in Orange County. And even between those two, how they were managing yes. the start of the lockdown was totally different. Like my brother in L.A., yes. they were locked down and they weren't going out where my, my sister and my brother-in-law in Orange County were like, well, schools are off, but you can still go to the restaurant, you know, um, very different. Yeah, it's a re I think it's a reflection of the county itself and the type of people that make up the county. Just like Kitty was saying, you know, different parts of the United States reflect different types of personalities and attitudes. And um, with Sandy and so California, just to backtrack, um, we are we do have a governor, you know, that uh, governs over the whole state and then each county has its own, you know, policymakers, and we follow the policymakers of the county. And so that's why you get different counties um, instituting different policies for stay-at-home orders. So wow. Sandy, and we all started at different times, you know, but overall, if, you know, let's say the governor decides the counties aren't doing what, you know, is socially responsible, that he can overstep all those policymakers and just, you know, say, oh, an, an entire state ban on beaches, which was actually, you know, rumor had it that was coming soon. And so yesterday was a big um, day, you know, all the mayors, the county um, policymakers all kind of rallied and um, kind of banged on Governor Newsom's door saying, hey, no, don't punish one county for another, you know, another county's wrongdoings. And so um, with San Diego, I mean, I went to the beach thinking 10 p.m. at night would be a best time to go and nobody would be there. It was quite crowded. Um, we have glorious weather right now. And so um, and a phenomenon happening in, um, in San Diego, particularly it's the red red tide and the algae that creates oh, that yeah. bioluminescence, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah. So I thought going at 10 PM at night would be perfect. Nope. Everyone had the same idea, mm -hmm. but everybody was more than six feet apart, had their masks on. Um, it was, That's gonna it be was surreal. very different. Yeah. So, but, um, so thankfully, um, as Kitty was referring to it yesterday, um, the governor made an announcement that he won't punish, you know, all the counties for what one county is doing wrong. And so I think it was just Orange County or, yeah, that area that they nice. aren't allowed to go on the beaches anymore until 
they somehow prove yes, you know, themselves. Yes. I know. It's so strange. Yeah. And then Florida, our governor opened up the state, allowed the state individual um, mayors of the counties and cities to independently, you know, within the constraints of the federal government and CDC, et cetera, except for Dave Broward in Palm Beach counties, my county. So everybody else can be open except us. So, yeah, I mean, so. I just thank God, as I said to you guys last week, I said, I'm just happy my hairdresser is an independent and he has his own place and and did my hair for me last week. Otherwise, it's really bad. I, I do my own giving. I know, it looks lovely, Dave. Thank you so much. But then you could go to Georgia and you could get uh, you can get a tattoo or go to the massage parlor and you're yeah. all good. Yeah. So I mean, that's... The, Georgia, the Georgia governor has opened everything. It's like, okay, we're back. So, yeah, it's interesting how every state has its own little direction. And, and what's happening in, Cal in, uh, in Washington? You guys, Peter, are opening and... Well, the governor likes to talk about it as a dimmer switch. So the, the light switch turned off our state, um, which it did. Then a dimmer switch slowly and surely will, surely in quotes, uh, bring our state back to life. So um, a little bit here, a little bit there. And we're grateful to have boating and fishing part of that outdoor recreation list that can come back online on May 5th. So we're open for business. Um, we've got incredible repair and refit specialists that when they're not working on super yachts, work on the Alaskan uh, crab crab boats that you might've seen in the Deadly's Catch, which is a popular Netflix oh, show yeah. in the States. So yeah, those, uh, those boats are stationed show. here. Yeah. And you those, said those, that those boats are, are stationed here in uh, the Seattle area. And the shipyard stayed open like Delta and those, they continued production and working and they yeah. weren't closed yeah. down it was up to each different company um and we did hear that some companies were not staying open uh taking um a decision to keep because a lot of the workers didn't maybe feel safe so but we have some boat yards that are open and a lot of marinas that are open and um uh, and now there, there are they are coming out with some um I mean, quite honestly, working in a shipyard is is probably more safe than just about anywhere because you're wearing protective gear to begin with, whether it's a mask, a respirator, a suit, um, you know, and, and so typically in a in a in a shipyard type setting, you're already being protected. So and, you know, and you're working in, you know, outside outdoors, a lot of times in the sun. Um, so you know, that to me is, is where you start to kind of start to really think through the different types of industries that should be able to continue. Um, you know, we're fortunate that in a lot of states, the boating industry was maintained as an essential business, which is where it became so questionable in my mind, um, where I tend to be more of a civil libertarian <laughs> in that, um, that who decides what's essential and not essential. And, and so that it was very, it was very random and it depended on, and, and in, in many cases, kind of a whim. And in like in Michigan, they allowed people to go boating on any non-motorized vessel, but nothing with a motorboat. That's all Michigan um, in the so, news today. Oh, I'm sure they're always in the news because wow. their governor is, is a very, very interesting character. Uh -huh. Um, but she, but she decided, I guess they, she's finally lifted the ban on the motorized vessels now. But I mean, so to me, it's that you could go wait in line for a lottery ticket, but you couldn't buy paint 
because paint was not essential, but lottery tickets are essential. <laughs> so this is where people, so this is where the, 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 the a lot of the uh, frustration, frustration, I would say, <laughs> and the, and the stress that, that has kind of created things because the inconsistencies and people are having family in other states or other counties or other cities where in one way it was done this way in another place, it was done someplace different, but Luckily for um, for our sector of the of the industry of business, a lot of the a lot of our shipyards and boatyards do a lot of commercial work, and they yeah. do a lot of government work, which also does aid in our essential category status. So that I know, uh, Leah, you guys do a lot of that government work down there, and Peter, in a lot of the shipyards in the Northwest, you guys do a lot of, of commercial work up there as well. Right. Like that's actually how we've managed to stay in business through the decades that we've been in business is the government and the commercial sector, you know, carry us through these economic times where it's unpredictable, you know, pandemics, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, with the government work, you know, that's what's really made us critical in infrastructure. It's because we're working on, um, you know, Navy, Coast Guard, oh, okay. uh, military type contracts that they need their boats in order to be able to defend the country. And if, you know, shipyards aren't essential, then, you know, we wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to get their boats back. So those have kind of carried us through the, you know, economic recession times. Yeah. Out of interest, um, on your different areas of the States here, uh, Mallorca is slowly opening back up, but the first level was actually mid April where, the shipyards were finally allowed, you know, and the refit yards not were allowed back in, but with a very clear uh, layer of procedures that needed to be followed, mm. um, you know, between temperature testing and masks and, you know, sanitation and etc. Have you also been given kind of clear protocols of, yes, reopen, but you need to follow these procedures? Exactly that. And we as a shipyard are under vigorous regulations, um, even before the pandemic has started, you know, to make sure we, uh, everybody comes here safe. And, you know, in one piece, the same way they, you know, they go home. And so um, we just have all those safety protocols in place already. So to add that extra layer um, wasn't too difficult. It's, it's um, just like you said, the screening, it's all these plans in place that if something had to happen, we have the system in place to be able to, you know, execute it. So if it's, you know, somebody that reports that they're not feeling well, you know, quickly being Stay able home. to let them send them home and, and, you know, then have HR, our human resources director follow up with them, you know, check in to make sure they're staying at home, getting their doctor's notes, all that. Um, the screening, yes, uh, that happens randomly and randomly and um, if we if you know a report has been made um, also making sure they are instead of um, suggesting or encouraging that they wear mat wear a mask it's required now you know um, just little things like that but these guys and girls too so we do have production workers that are females um, they're used to those rigorous requirements and so um, it hasn't been too difficult I will tell you what has been difficult is um, some of the things to keep you know, morale up has been these yard lunches where we just offer free lunches to our employees, but keeping them socially distanced when they're hungry is really, really difficult. Um, <laughs> giving them free food is easy, but 
you know, making yeah. them stand in line six feet apart. Um, it's been a It'll learning be worse curve. than children, I would imagine. <laughs> it is. It really is. Uh, we've tried different different methods and everything. It would be interesting just to your feeling of, and at the moment, in, uh, we had a chat with Colin Squire, who does Yachting Matters, and he's had a number of discussions. And I said, you know, what do you think from the discussions you're having, you know, about the industry? And he goes, you know what? It's all guesswork. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, I mean, for all of us, it is a little bit like this. It's, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Um, however, from your perspective, things are starting to open back up. Are you feeling positive? Yeah. I mean, so the guesswork is there. You know, we're, we're a shipyard. We have 185 employees, mouths to feed and, you know, um, their families to feed. So we, we like being able to plan and be able to make our goals, um, for each year. And I just received an update from, you know, the executive board that we're going to have to revise that forecast that we did last year for this year, um, to, you know, account for this pandemic. So, um, that's been kind of, nerve wracking. I think that's the frustration is when there's no end in sight where, you know, our guesswork that we did, you know, a couple months ago where we spent some time trying to plan out the year is now taken off the table and we have to revisit that. Um, but we still have that positive outlook. Like, um, as I was saying, some of the sanitation protocols that, you know, the policymakers have put down on us, um, we actually, you know, embrace because it, us too would like those protocols in place. Um, the yard workers, the production workers, that's already easy to do, you know, extra mask, extra gloves, um, making sure standing, st keeping them six feet apart is a little difficult, mm -hmm. but we have a spacious yard, so it's doable and it's just changing their habits. Well, what about when they're, the sorry, what about when they're on the boat and they're, yeah, they're working so that's on the boat? Called a confined space. Yeah. That's one thing that has, um, you know, interrupted production, meaning it kind of delays our schedule, uh, so to speak. But to keep two people in a confined space working, you know, in the engine room or something like that, because laws are saying they have to be six feet apart, um, that was a struggle. So the first five weeks of the shelter in place, we could only have so many people in a confined space. Now that they've lifted that order up, they, I think the requirement actually is that they just need to have to wear a respirator, a mask, you know, and then you can have two people within six feet apart. So um, that's helped us. But at the end of the day, the customers are also very understanding. You know, they yeah. know if there's a delay because policies like that have been in place, they're sympathetic to it. They too have other priorities that they're um, trying to make and tend to while the ship is being or while their yacht is being worked on so it all kind of works and balances together so that it's not as stressful in uh, in doing a refit there's an awful lot of of legality and contracts that that go into the whole thing part of that contract is built in delays and penalties for delays have you had to renegotiate these things does this fall under force majeure um, and how are the owners of boats dealing with this? Are they being hard-nosed about it or how's that working for you? 
Yeah. We have a standard shipyard contract that they sign, you know, for work that they've contracted us to do. Uh, For the most part, I would say 95%. um, There's no negotiations. Um, I mean, meaning, you know, they've not had any problems with the contract as it's written. The few over the years, it's, you know, one-offs. Sometimes they want just like you say, it's called liquidated damages, where if we're delayed for whatever reason that we make the shipyard would pay the owner um, a certain amount of money each day. Um, we get uh, requests like that few, um, fewer times than uh, many. Uh, it's more for our commercial sector that they ask that because within the passenger vessel industry, you know, people uh, using ferry boats and passenger vessels to commute those public agencies need their boats back on a certain amount of time or else they're losing money each day. So those tend to be the contracts that we have liquidated damages on. Super yachts, I think I can only think of one or two in the last decade that have asked for liquidated damages and it's more on those extensive refits. Uh, We just did one two years ago where we added 12 feet to the transom and that asked for liquidated damages in the beginning of the contract. But as we were going, and also, sorry to kind of add to it, on one end, it's uh, liquidated damages to the shipyard. But on the other end is if we turn it in early, they then pay us also a certain amount of money each day for every day we were early. So it works both ways. It's not just one sided. We will pick and choose when we gamble that, you know, and we also we're so aware of our capabilities that we're not going to lock ourselves into into a, a contract where we don't think we're going to succeed on it, you know? So um, we've, I can't think of the one um, project that we had liquidated damages and the owner or the captain just actually enjoyed his experience here and saw that we were working hard, that he just ended up lifting it and we didn't even have the liquidated damages. We ended up turning in maybe two days later than what we actually thought. So it wasn't that bad, but um, so yeah, no one so far during this pandemic has asked to either put on liquidated damages. I think the, the mindset behind these owners are keeping in a safe place, which is a shipyard and a marina um, is one of the safest things that they can decide to do right now. So they're, they're happy to be here um, and kind of work with us on whatever it is that, you know, we need them to do. And some of the things we need them to do is, you know, crew coming into the office. That's no longer happening. We used to have fun stewardesses would come to my office, chit chat before their workday. That, you know, can't happen anymore. Um, Showers, gyms on site closed down. We can't have crew accessing those anymore. Um, Our, you know, front desk, our reception area, her role now is to continuously and constantly sanitize all, you know, um, commonly used surfaces. Um, so little practices like that is what's um, kind of difficult. The social responsibilities could the are stewardesses, what's difficult. Could the stewardesses not put little notes under your door or anything like that? <laughs> um, we're, we've reverted to texting and social media more in terms of communication. It's not the other, same. But no notes yeah. under the door, sadly. <laughs> I would just add to, to the, the whole safety planning that we really encourage companies to develop their own plans and not to wait for the government to develop ones for us. Uh, for us, we much prefer to keep the government out of how we go about our businesses. So we've been working with other boatyards and shipyards to develop safety you plans. Are and having them adopted, 
<laughs> Washington, but uh, Washington. I get what you're saying. I catch your drift. Um, yeah, so uh, we've that's kind of a great way to work together with other uh, companies and associations, see what's working. And then we actually then send those to the government. The government checks them off for us versus waiting around and, and leaning back to the government to come up with ideas that won't work for us. And and do, do you find like the, the things that people are implementing? Because from what I've heard, a lot of the times the, the, the counties and the states are actually putting in better policies than say the government is suggesting. Do you find the, the companies are, you know, being sensible about the, 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 the practices they're putting in place? You're not going to be approved by the government to reopen unless you have a new and improved safety plan. So okay. there's no ifs, ands, or okay. buts about it. It is it's a restaurant, boatyard, nail salon. You're going to have to have an updated pandemic safety plan. And I just would mention too, that we talked about force majeure, just how many companies and global events have missed this in their contracts. The only sporting event that's had a force majeure clause has been Wimbledon. Every other large, you name the event, has not been able to claim force majeure as they've canceled. So this has been just this is just an incredible once in a lifetime. Wasn't it Wimbledon that also um, consciously purchased a policy to to four cases? Like themselves. Yes. Yeah. So they collected millions of dollars from their insurance company. Because they had to cancel the event. W Wimbledon tennis. Wimbledon, yeah. Oh. The only major event, as Peter is saying, that actually had a policy to cover themselves and had the contracts in place to protect them from that, uh, from a pandemic. Um, I bet I mean, you the Olympics were wishing they had. <laughs> so, what do they know before anybody else? Eh? Uh, Isn't that interesting? No. Um, Kitty, before... We can, we can make it even way I, more... I, you, you mentioned the Olympics. I had to feel sorry for the Japanese. The, the last time they were about to have an Olympics there, the World War or something came along, and this time around oh. the pandemic. So uh, yeah, it's like, what's the chances of that? Kitty, before we hit I, the I news... I feel more for the kids, all these kids that have trained and, and worked so hard... Um, you know, a, a year makes a massive amount of difference. Yeah. Oh, in, this was, in, yeah, this was going to be my big breakout year at the Olympics. I guess I'll I know. Yeah. Major global events like that in um, the Pacific is what draws super yachts to our region. Mm. And yeah. just like you were saying, you know, yachts are so uh, Caribbean, Mediterranean friendly, and you see them congested there, but you rarely hear about the Pacific or the West Coast. And it's because getting them to come all this way, you know, has been a challenge for us as a shipyard um, marketing to the super yacht market. So um, events like the Japan, uh, Japan Olympics, you There's, know, the um, America's Cup. There yeah. was a whole list yeah. of these large events that were gearing up to be a, a large attractor. You know, you have the pandemic and then all of those islands down there shut off. Yep. I mean, like Tahiti, Papua New Guinea, all of those islands. I mean, they essentially closed their doors. You cannot. But I will and say, like the, um, you know, looking forward into the future, um, those areas that are commonly cruised, the Caribbeans, the Mediterranean, they're very congested areas. So maybe the the future might be that they go to spread out places, and so that gives me hope as you guys were asking me, you know, are, are we hopeful? Yeah. I think with the Japan Olympics, the LA Olympics in eight years, that's kind of the even further reaching, you know, carrot, if you will, um, that's dangling in front of us that, you know, I, 
between the Japan Olympics and the LA Olympics, we're hopeful for a, a you know the super yacht industry and the super yacht market to increase through the years because of those global events. I think the change is also with the Australian uh, laws charter. with the re- regard charter. to charter uh, yes. will make a big difference as That's well. Huge. So um, De- definitely, definitely yeah. got a lot to look so forward my, to. That definitely opens things up because it's such a beautiful cruising market. Yeah. And that was a huge, huge stumbling block to be able to get the big boats to come stay down there. So that's, that's, that's a big break for them. Although, and they worked hard to make that happen. I was um, listening to, uh, talking with uh, Robert McCallum from EOS. He was doing a presentation on the mm-hmm. Arctic, the Antarctic. He kind of put forward that oh, at nice. the moment, he said that it's probably the only COVID-friendly region for people to go to with their yachts because well there's nobody there so they don't have any pandemic (laughs) um kitty before we we leave you um you started your thursday webinars um yesterday was uh mental health um and do you have another one coming up next thursday will you tell us a little bit before we leave you sure um, absolutely. They're going to be on Thursdays um, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time in the U.S. We can make that. So uh, you can make that. We did it specifically so that our oh. friends in Europe and our friends on the West Coast would be able to try and kind of to, to join in. And we had. Can you do an early know, morning cocktail one as well? Uh, yes, we can. For you, ma'am, we'll do anything. Um, so next Thursday is defining business directions in tough times. Uh, five strategies to come out on top um, during things uh, such as the COVID-19. And we have capstone strategies. Um, the, it, it's, it, they have a really nice program to try and kind of get people to think in a different way and look at opportunities that they might not have looked at for their business. That's on May 7th. May 14th is marketing and communications in changeable times. Now is your chance to pivot purposefully. And as I said in the call yesterday, pay that three times fast and you can win a ticket to Walt Disney World when they open up. Ever since Ross uh, on Friends, anytime I hear the word pivot, it makes me smile. Pivot! 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 Just on the uh, on the mental health thing, um, just to mention on Wednesday, uh, I was talking with um, Colin, S- Colin not, Squire. Colin Squire, and on Wednesday he's doing a webinar with Ice One um, because it's an initiative to develop a, a web presence for sailors and people in the industry. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, awesome. they, and they're doing a fundraising so there can be a dedicated space with information and for seafarers i mean Iswan already have a 24 7 helpline for uh all seafarers but they uh, need awesome. to have a bit more of a focus and and have you know industry-wide not just super yacht industry but you know boating and sailing and seafarers in general but a space, a dedicated sure. space for um, seafarers for their mental health and information and helplines and who they can reach out to. And, and I just have to say that Peter and their group, uh, group up there in the Pacific Northwest have a great program of health and, and some uh, health programs and stuff for their, their membership. Um, they have quite a large extensive membership there in the Pacific Northwest, and it's a very robust 
association that's that's doing great work in the state of Washington, and uh, we're happy to have them as a partner right. group up there to watch out for our interests in the Pacific Northwest. Well, th- this could be of interest. I think what they're trying to do is is create one resource so that wherever anybody is. Yeah, be it the northwest or northeast or down south or Antarctic, wherever, um, that there's a resource there, there's a number to somebody they can go to. And I think during these times, um, you know, it's, it's probably more poignant than, uh, than ever. Uh, unfortunately, yes, we're, we come to the end of our Absolutely. update USSA. That, that went too quickly. Need to do a two-hour <laughs> one next time or something <laughs> in uh, person. Well, we're gonna have to do it when we have yeah. our cocktail hour then <laughs> here in the studio. Peter Leia, uh, not Peter Leia, but Peter and Leia. Forgive me. Lovely to meet you. Thank you both very much for your for your time. I uh, hope all goes well over the next trying times. Whatever that's gonna end Hopefully. sooner the better. And Kitty is always always lovely to have you. Um, Always lovely to see you guys. Thank you. Uh, Stick stick with us for a moment. Don't hang up just yet. Uh, I'm going to switch this over to some music and then uh, we'll have another chin wag before you go. Uh, This has been Update USSA with the wonderful Kitty McGowan and, of course, Maeve and myself here at the studio. And Leah and Peter, thank you again for joining us. You're listening to Super Yacht Radio. Thanks uh, Thanks for being with us. This is Super Yacht Radio.